Have you been touched by the Mercy King? If so, as we heard in the song, rise and sing. Rise and sing. What a great song of praise. And especially an amazing response. Say, hey, look, I had this encounter with God. Rise and sing. That's how I feel when I'm having a good day. That's how I feel when things are going really well. Rise and sing. I want to get up. I want to sing. Now, if you're a morning person, yeah, you want to get up in the morning. You're ready to sing. You know, you look out the window and things are fantastic. You got a snow machine. You see this big dump of snow we got the last few days. And you're like, I got to jump into that snow, rise and sing. Things are going well. Now, maybe you're Maybe you are a lover of all things summer and all things hot and all things warm. And you looked at the window and you went, this sucks. <laughs> well, those are very minor extremes of joys. Those are very minor extreme of things compared to the mountaintops and the valleys that life brings us. Or rather, that we go through in this life. This year, we want to focus on remaining in Jesus. John 15, 4 says, remain in me and I will remain in you. So how do we remain in God? How do we protect our relationship with God when we find ourselves going through the most difficult circumstances of our life? How do we come to God the Father? How do we rise and sing and give God all the glory in the middle of our darkness, in the darkest days of our lives. We've been on this journey the last two weeks, and we're going to wrap this journey up this week in the third chapter of the book of Habakkuk. Now, Habakkuk is a book found in the Old Testament of the Bible. He was a prophet, and he was what we call a minor prophet. You've probably heard this already if you've been paying attention the last few weeks. Minor prophet, not because he wasn't as important as the big leagues, just we don't have as much written about him. We don't know as, as much information about him as we did some of the other prophets. We know that he wrote this story, he wrote his book, he wrote his account of things happening around 600 BC before the birth of Jesus. And one thing that stands out about Habakkuk is that unlike the other prophets, what would happen is a prophet would would hear from God and the prophet would come to people and he would say, this is what the Lord says, thus saith the Lord. And, And in this case, Habakkuk actually comes to God on behalf of the people. I don't know if he drew the short straw or what happened, but he came to God with a very serious problem. And we read about that in chapter one. Uh, he found himself wondering, wondering why life was as hard as it was. God, we are your chosen people. Why is life so hard? God, the crops are not growing. Why is life so hard? God, why are animals disappearing, dying, not duplicating, multiplicating? Where are they? Why? He's left wondering. Chapter two, we talked about last week. He's He's talked to God. He's got an answer for all. He got an answer from God in chapter one. And God says, hey, I know it's bad. Hey, it's going to get worse. Great news, man. And so Habakkuk in chapter two finds himself waiting. Okay, God, I heard from you. You heard it's going to get worse. You heard that life's going to get tough. Here I am. I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. First one, God, where are you? Number two, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Then God speaks. And here's what I'm going to tell you. It's not going to be good. 
chapter 2, he's waiting on the promises of God to come true. Maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe you're waiting for God to move. God, when are you going to hear my prayer? God, when are you going to see where I am at and respond to me? Maybe that's how you feel right now. You're in chapter 2. This is the verse that said, Though you're there, linger and wait for it. Through it, linger and wait for it. When it's not God's time, you can't force it. When it's not God's time, you can't force it. And when it is God's time, you can't stop it. No matter how hard you try, you can't force it or you can't stop God's timing. It will come no matter what, when it happens. So today we go from wondering, we go from waiting, and we're heading into disappointment. That's right. We're going to go from wondering, discouragement, the waiting, the waiting, the waiting, the waiting to discouragement, disappointment. Well, that's a change in tone. Why, God, aren't you doing what I want you to do? Some of you probably feel that way right now. God, I've been praying. I've prayed for years. Why are you not doing what I want you to do? What I've prayed for, what I've believed, believed for. God, I gave, I gave money. I, I did something nice for somebody. I talked to you. I read the Bible back and forth and upside down and backwards. I did it all. Where are you? Why are you not listening to me? End of chapter 2. Habakkuk says this. He says, I'm confused. I'm wondering. I'm doubting. And then he says these words. But the Lord. Would you do me a favor in your homes this morning and just say, but the Lord? He says, but the Lord is in his holy temple. But God is on his throne. And then he says, let all the earth be silent before him. I'm hurting, I'm broken, but God is in his holy temple. Holy temple. Holy means set apart. And that is where God is. Because God is God, right? And you and I are not. God is God and we are, and he is in his holy temple. He takes this posture from wondering to waiting to going, okay, but God is God in his holy temple. Chapter one, we kind of, we get a bit of this reset. We've heard that word times, hit the reset button. In case you don't know this, if you're having a tech issue, what's the number one thing you should do? If your computer's not working, phone's not working, turn it off, turn it back on again. Big reset. Let's just start again. He's waiting. 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 Let's hit the reset button. See what happens, God. There is a word at the beginning of chapter 3 that I think we need to pay attention to. Chapter 3, verse 1, right at the beginning. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. Okay? We know it's a prayer, which means it's a conversation he's having with God. We know it's of Habakkuk, the prophet we've been talking about. And then it comes up with this strange little word you've probably never heard before. And I'm going to try my best to say it. It's a Hebrew word. It's kind of a neat little word spelled S-H-I-G-I-O-N-O-T-H. Right there in my Bible right here. And I'm going to try my best. It says Shiganoth. Say Shiganoth. Just type that in the comments if you want to. Shiganoth. 
Okay, everybody say it. Just say it out loud. Take a step of faith and don't be embarrassed. No one's watching. Shiganoth. Everybody say it. Shiganoth. What in the world does Shiganoth mean, Pastor Gary? Well, Shiganoth is a plural of the word Sigion or Sigon or however you want to say it. Sigion. So that's great. That doesn't tell me anything. Okay, it's plural. Uh, it's actually only used one time in all the Bible, and it's used in Psalm chapter 7. Now, Shiganoth is also used only one time in the Bible, and that is where we find it, right here in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 1. And what do we know about these words? They are directions on how to sing a particular song. All right, stay with me. Shiganoth is essentially directions on how to sing a particular song, or in this case, how to pray a certain prayer. It's during this moment. So you could, you could say, for example, like this. Uh, next Sunday, when we get uh, Elizabeth and I together, or we invite some other guest worship leaders to come, uh, I might say, okay, we're going to sing this next song of praise and next song of worship like a love song to God, right? Because Valentine's Day is next Sunday. We want to sing it just in a very love, 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 love. I love you, God. You know, I don't know lots of love song songs. Don't want to write you a love song. You know, whatever. Uh, it's, it's a certain way to sing a song, all right? It's directions. Or you might be like, hey, let's add a little bit of a jazz flair. Like, bops, bops, and, you know, some of that stuff in there, whatever. Just going to embarrass myself this morning. Or maybe you want to sing with a little hip-hop passion. You know, you can just kind of play with it. I'm, I'm not going to even try to rap or hip-hop or anything because you definitely don't want to see that. Uh, but if we do that one, if we say, let's do the worship song and a hip hop, I definitely got to see some of you, especially you young, young folks, you young kids. I got to get you to teach us how to do the floss, right? The dance move. I, I don't know if I have enough space here. You do the, the swing and the, I can do it because you can't see it on camera. So, you know, do the floss, you know, that's how we're going to do it. But everybody just take a minute again and say Shiganoth. Can you do that? Say Shiganoth. Okay. It means, are you ready for it? This is what it really means. To sing with strong emotion, with impassioned exuberance. In other words, it means wild, passionate singing with rapid changes in tempo and rhythm. It means high-spirited praise, vigorous enthusiasm. Now, for some of you familiar with Pentecostals and Pentecostalisms, maybe this doesn't sound weird or unusual to you. Maybe you say, hey, I saw so-and-so swinging from a chandelier one time, and, and that's just what it, that just seems normal, you know. It's not quite like that. But it is high-spirited praise with vigorous enthusiasm. This isn't like a country song where you cry and your tears fill your, you know, your, your pint of beer or anything like that. It's not, it's not just crying into a country song, whatever. Uh, no, this is like kids high on sugar watching the Wiggles or, or something ridiculous like that. Uh, one article said Shiganoth is, and I quote, it's praise punctuated with exclamation points. I love the exclamation point. If you get an email from me, if you get a text from me and I'm excited or I just like really want to emphasize it, you know, grammatically speaking, you only need one exclamation point to make the point. I tend to like to use three. Okay, you've probably noticed that by now. I like to use three exclamation points. And that is how you can kind of define Shiganoth. That is the kind of praise, exuberant praise, with punctuated exclamation marks. Okay, so why is that actually important to this passage? Why is that relevant to me today, 
Pastor Gary, well, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you right now. What I want you to understand about Habakkuk in chapter 3 is he's doing this full body. Every part of him is involved. He's shaking. He's dancing. He's moving. He's changing the rhythm. He's crying out loud. and He's speaking out loud. He's exuberant. and He's changing the rhythms. He's going through all this process because it's very important. It's that time. It's the type of praise that is required. He's going through all this. He's doing this full, all body, all experience, exuberant worship before God. And he's doing it in chapter 3. Before God ever did what he wanted or asked God to do. Let me say that again. Excuse me. Let me say that again. He did this crazy act of praise. Involved the whole body, all moving, shaking, dancing, changing the rhythms, going at, changing his voice, getting excited, getting loud, jumping up and down. Like, yeah, let's do this. He's exhibiting this form of praise before God ever does anything he prayed for him to do. He does all of this wild dancing, praising, singing, giving glory to God before God even responds to him in the way that he asked God to do. Sometimes the most passionate, the most authentic praise is actually the praise before we receive the provision from God. It is praise that is simply based on the word faith. Based on the word faith. Believing and praising God before he ever provides for the need that you've even asked him to fulfill. It's taking on the praise before he's ever even responded in those incredible moments. I'm going to praise you because of who you are, not because of what I want you to do. God, I'm going to praise you for who you are and not what I've asked for you to do. God, I'm going to praise you for who you are because who you are is God and I am not. It's Shiganoth. It's praise before anything happens. In verse 2, we see Habakkuk say this of God. He says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. And then he says, God, repeat them. God, repeat them. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them. Do it again. Do it again. Someone put in the comments today, especially if you have a need, God, do it again. Just go ahead. Write it out. Do it again, Lord. He says, do it again. Repeat them in our day, in our night. Do it again. Make them known. Make them known. Make your good needs known again. Then he goes on to say, God, in your wrath. God, I know you're coming to judge us, but remember mercy. Remember mercy. God, do it again. God, I've seen you do it before. I've seen you do it before. I'm going to praise you. I'm believing for you. God, do it again. There's a great song by Elevation Worship, and it's titled this same title, Do It Again. It's called, you can look it up on YouTube later. And just a great, great, amazing song of faith. Do it again. I've seen you move. You move the mountains. Do it again. Some of us, that's where we're at. Okay, God, we've seen your faithfulness, maybe in our own lives. God, I've seen you do a miracle for someone else. God, I've seen, I've seen how you responded to that need. God, do it again for me. Do it again. I know you can. I know you're able. I have the faith to believe. God, do it again. But what do we do when life gets difficult? Sometimes God seems too amazing. 
Things are going so well, we praise him. We go to church, we feel amazing, we sing along, we sing, God, you are so good. We sang that song this morning, the goodness of God. Really easy to say when things are going well, but then a bad day comes. Bad news enters our world. Bad news changes our world upside down. We get the diagnosis that we didn't want. We start to go through things that we never thought would be imaginable. Something happens to our kids. Something terrible takes place in our neighborhoods, in a neighboring town. You know, we got a neighboring community that's going through an incredible crisis, an incredible tragedy right now. I've been praying with their pastor for him, for their church, for their community. Terrible, terrible, dark moments. We go through what we've talked about before as a crisis of belief. In my mind, in my heart, I know you are real and I know it's true, but my experience that I'm having right now is telling me something different. Some of us pretend it's not happening at all. We deny it. I think this is really common in churches. This is so common. Well, because I'm a believer, like nothing bad can ever happen to me. So this must not be happening. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pray, I'm gonna pretend it's not there. It's clearly, it's it'll just pass. You know, I'll just get over it. Okay, like this is just gonna go away in a minute. Just give it a day or two, it'll go away. But it doesn't go away. We ignore it. We pretend it's not happening. We just deny it. Then there's the other group of people that responds like this. They just say, fine, God, if this is what following you is like, if, if these bad things are going to happen to me, if this is what I have to go through, then forget it. I'm walking away. Forget it. I quit. You can go to you know where. I'm done. I'm leaving. I'm slamming the door. Goodbye. That's how we react, right? We either walk away or we deny it's happening at all. God, where are you? God, what are you doing? I'm waiting here. I'm faithful. God, what are you doing? Let's talk about two things this morning. Let's talk about two things to do when we face these types of moments in our lives. We're going to talk about remembering the faithfulness of God. Habakkuk 3 Verse 3 says, God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. Okay, Pastor Gary, what does that mean? Well, these two places, Taman and Paran, are two places that God took his people for refuge after he was delivering them from the Egyptian bondage. You know, if you've gone through the book of Exodus, you know the Israelites were stuck in slavery and bondage to the Egyptians. These are two places God took his people in their greatest time of need to offer them protection, to offer them situations. These were situations that God's people were in when it seemed like there was no way out, but God made a way. God made a way. He changed Pharaoh's heart. He split the Red Sea in half. And Habakkuk is saying, hey, God, look, I remember this story. I remember these stories. I know what you have done for us before. And I'm praying, oh God, that you do it again. I'm praying that you do it again. This is what he goes on to say. Habakkuk 3, 4 to 6. Let's jump back to here. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand. 
where his power was hidden. Plague went before him, pestilence followed in his steps. He stood and he shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed, but his mercies, his mercies marches on forever. If you read forward verses 7 to 15, this is kind of what Habakkuk does. He's talking back about the justice and the faithfulness of God. He starts going back throughout history. This is where you've brought your people through God. But here's what he could have done. This is what Habakkuk could have easily done. He could have remembered some other things that God had been, had been doing or had done. Uh, he could have said, God, I remember when you provided manna from heaven for your people. I remember when you gave them meat from a bird. I remember, God, when you gave them water from a rock. I remember. God, I remember when you spoke life into the dry bones and they came back to life. God, I remember when you made life come from those dead, dry bones. I remember. Sometimes when you're in the valley, you just simply have to remember the goodness and the faithfulness of God. You know, we could go through the list and say, look what you did for that person. Look what you did for that church. Look what you did for that town. Look what you did for that nation, that country, so on and so forth. God, look what you did for them. But the biggest lesson, the biggest takeaway that we need to pay attention to is not the actual provision itself, but to look at the character behind that provision and say, look, why did God do those things? Because God is one good and because God is is faithful. Now here's something that Habakkuk doesn't actually talk about, but we know is true, is that God promised that he would send a Messiah. And that Messiah would come from his chosen people, the Israelites. And here they find themselves in the, one of the darkest seasons that they've ever had to walk through in their entire existence. Probably worse than Egypt, probably worse than anything else previous to this experience that they've had to go through. But they still have this promise that God is going to send a Savior and a Messiah. Habakkuk does not mention any of that, but we know through reading the scripture that it's true. This moment is still coming. Our moments are still coming. God still has a lot for you and a lot for I, myself. He's got a lot for us. And so we can look at the great things God has done and we should talk about them. We should celebrate. Put our hands up. We're winning, God. You're winning. Look what you've done. It's celebrated. Absolutely. But celebrate the why. Celebrate the fact that God is good and remember that God is faithful. You know, God has just done an incredible work in my own life. I, I can't explain it. I can't tell you why I am blessed the way that I am blessed, but I have never had to live my life in worry. I've never had to live my life in fear. In fact, I have a really hard time relating to Habakkuk because I've, I don't have to face the things that he had to face. God has just chosen to bless me in so many ways. And so I take that blessing of God and, and I show kindness, I show love, and I, I, just, I just try to lay a blessing wherever I go because God has blessed me. But I know that it's from God. And I know it's because he's got a greater purpose for my life than I could ever dream of, ask, or imagine. So I remember God in my life. Look at the things that God has done in your life. And if there's nothing, just celebrate him because you can believe and believe and believe that he is good and he is faithful. All right, number two this morning.
He doesn't say to endure, he says to embrace. What do you do when you're in a valley? You remember the goodness of God. The second thing, let me tell you what not to do. The second thing is what you do not do when you're in the valley. You don't just endure the valley. Remember I talked about denying? Some, some of us just pretend it's not happening. Oh, that'll pass. We'll just get over it. It'll be fine. Not at all. We have to endure the valley. Can't just pretend. We can't just endure. We have to, we have to embrace the valley, not endure it. We don't know the end of the story. We don't know how God is going to use us. We don't know how God is going to intervene all the time. So instead of just enduring and just pretending it's not there or just, we'll just get through this. Look at lockdown last, last spring, the last lock, the first one we went through as, as a, as a, you know, community, whatever, you know, March break happened. We're going to close schools for two weeks. All right. What happened when the end of those two weeks got close? Oh, we're going to close school another two weeks. What happened at the end of those two weeks? Oh, we're going to close school again. And we got closer and closer and closer to June. And they said, okay, what, what's going to happen now? Are kids going to go back to school for the month of June and then summer vacation? Are they going to have to go in, uh, you know, into July for school? And, that was, and then, you know, we had all this uncertainty. We didn't know the end of the story. We're still in a global pandemic and we really don't know the outcome of, of how things are going to play out. And so we, we can maybe find ourselves in a similar situation right now going, okay, you know, those of us that are going to get through this, are those of us who learn how to embrace and not just endure. If we hold on just a little bit longer, there's not going to be a lot to hold on to because we don't know what tomorrow brings. But if we can learn to embrace, if we can learn to hold on to the situation and, and, and learn how to give praise to God and learn how to live our lives in the midst of a pandemic, as opposed to just trying to get through it, just hold on a little bit longer. If we can learn to embrace this season, we will be okay. We don't just endure, we embrace by believing that God is still good. We embrace what he is doing. If you think of what Habakkuk in this situation, he felt like the, his enemy, the Babylonians were winning and they were. They were. The enemies of God's people were winning. He embraced it. He didn't fight it. He didn't deny it. He didn't walk away. He didn't run away. He embraced the reality in front of him. He looked and he recognized, yep, this is bad. Yep, it's going to get a lot worse. And he embraced the situation with everything from inside of him. My God is still God. He's still on the throne. He is still in his holy temple. I am embracing. I'm embracing. I'm embracing. Think of what Habakkuk in this situation, he's embracing. It's not just that he's denying the truth. It's not that he's pretending it's not there. He's looking at the situation and in spite of the situation, in spite of all this, he chooses to declare, I still trust you, God. I still trust you, God. Say it with me in the comments. I still trust you, God. I continue to embrace God's goodness. I hold on to what is real. I hold on to what is true. I hold on to what is good. I don't just endure, I don't just try to get through it or try to get by it, but I hold on to what I know is true. Even though the experience around me tells me that this is no good, I should just quit, I should just give up, I should just walk away, I'm holding on to what I believe in my head and my heart that is true. Chapter 3. 
we see, we read. He says, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. It's not like the first date anxiousness where like, you know, a young, young man walks up to young girl's house, dad answers the door, thump, 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 thump. It's not like that at all. This is, this is like sheer terror. This is terrifying. The enemies are marching. You can hear the cadence of their boots. They're coming. The enemy is marching. They're knocking on the door. They're not knocking. They're bursting down the gates. They're coming to destroy his people. His heart is pounding. His lips are quivering at the sound. The decay crept in my bones and my legs trembled. And this is what he says. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Okay, so look at this for a minute. He's, he's not denying that this is happening. In fact, he's doing what any one of us would do if we were in his shoes. He's terrified. He can feel it. His body is, ter- is, is, is experiencing the effects of his terror. It's shaking. It's, his heart is pounding. And yet he says in his spirit, in his soul, in his mind, I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. He goes on to say, there's bad news coming. It's an intense moment. He knows it's bad. He knows it's going to get worse. Keep reading. There's no food. There's no crops. There's no animals. Everything of value is gone. Maybe that is a reflection. If you're watching, maybe that's how you feel your life is. Maybe your life really is like a country song. You know, your, your, your spouse left you, your kids left you, they won't talk to you, you have no job, you have no food on the table, and just to add a little bit of humor there, because we're talking about a country song, the dog jumped in your truck, and the truck was an automated vehicle, and it drove away on its own. Maybe your life is 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 reflection of this time that Habakkuk is living in. Maybe it really is that bad. And this is what he says. Verse 18. No friends, no spouse, no job, nothing. Verse 18. Guy from the Bible right here. This is what he says. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. I will be joyful in God my Savior. I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in God my Savior. There are dozens of reasons why I might not want to rejoice. I could write down the list of pros and cons and come out with that list and say, there is no reason I should be rejoicing right now. But this isn't one of those half-hearted songs. This is a, a shiganoth. This is a full body, full soul, everything within me declaring the praise and goodness of God to his glory. Even though I see what I don't want to see, I will praise God with my full body, with everything that is within me. He's wrestling and yet he's embracing with everything from inside of him. From the depths of his soul, he's worshiping even when things are not right. This is the faith that God gives to us when we praise when we don't like what we see. This is a cry from the depths of our heart, believing in the goodness of God in the middle of our pain. This is chapter three, Shiganoth. This is praise before provision. This is praise with exclamation points, not for, wait for it, not for the what, not for what God is going to do, 
We can have faith. We can praise. We can believe and declare, God, I believe you're going to do this. You're going to do that. You're going to heal. You're going to provide. We can do all that. But the most important kind of praise, the Shigunath is praising not for the what, but praising the who. Praising for the who. In chapter one, you don't walk away from God. Chapter two, you don't quit on God. In chapter three, even if he doesn't change your circumstances, he changes your perspective. Even if God does not intervene, he can change your perspective. Habakkuk doesn't resolve to make the most out of a bad situation. It's way, way, way deeper than that. What he does do is he looks at the truth in the face and he says, this isn't good. This is not good. He looks it straight in the eyes. This is not good. He says, this is only going to get worse. There's no grapes coming. There's no blossoms coming. Spring is not around the corner. There is only judgment. Only judgment. And he says, but the Lord is in his holy temple. He is still worthy of praise. And there's what I want you to see this morning. Here's what I want you to catch today. More than anything else, God never does, pay attention to this, God never does what Habakkuk asks him to do. There's never the, okay, now it's all better. That never happens. But I want you to see something that Habakkuk does in the very last chapter, verse of the last chapter. Chapter 19, Habakkuk 3. This is what he says. In the middle of this crisis, he says, The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. The Lord is sovereign and he is my strength. What do I know about God? I certainly know this. I enjoy when things are well. I enjoy life on the mountaintops. Every time I hear that phrase, joy on the mountaintops, I think of the movie The Sound of Music and Julie Andrews running around with all the children. They're happy singing. You know, the hills are alive and the sound of me and they're all happy, whatever. We love those moments. God, I love when I just see you working. You're doing amazing things. Oh, we, Pastor Gary, Pastor Elizabeth, they played that song. It sounded so good. It made me feel so good. Oh, God, you're overwhelming. This is amazing. We love those moments. God, there's money in the bank. God, there's food on the table. God, I got a great vacation. We love those moments. God, I prayed and someone was healed. God, I, I prayed and someone got new new home a new house new car they, you just did an amazing blessing that's and you know and, that, and god does that it's amazing we celebrate it absolutely we love those moments but what do we do when there's no grapes what do we do when spring's not around the corner we praise god not for the what we praise him for the who god never does what habakkuk asks him to do and yet Habakkuk chooses to praise him. He praises him for who he is. So if you find yourself in a valley, you know, we love to brag on the mountaintop. But when we go through the valley, this is what happens. We get to know God a little more intimately. 
we take on a posture. When you when you get bad news, or you, you just just maybe it's not you. You watch a TV show, you watch a movie, maybe you've seen it in your through your own eyes. Someone gets life changing news. Something terrible happens. What's one of the first things they do? If they're with someone else, what's the first thing they do? They reach out their arms and they give them a big hug. They embrace. They don't try to make it better. They don't try to say anything. They embrace. And when you're in that moment and you get the news that you don't want to hear, when you get that phone call, when you get that diagnosis, when the test results come back in a way you don't want to see them, go for the embrace. Take a step closer to God. Don't run away. Don't quit. Don't deny it. Take a step closer to God. Just get a little bit in there. Because at that moment, God begins to get close to you. And he embraces you. And in that embrace, in that closeness, we see us get incredibly close to God in a way that we would have never been able to experience his presence. Without the hardship, without the worry, without the anxiety, without the fear. We would have never found our faith in God if it was not for the tough circumstances of this world. You need to understand you can't have chapter 3. You can't have this type of closeness without having the chapter 1 wondering and the chapter 2 of waiting. You can't have this closeness with God until you finally choose to embrace and not endure. You can't have this closeness with, closeness with God if you choose not to remember. We choose a posture of praise. We choose the posture of embracing. We hug and we hold tightly on to God. We raise the hallelujah. Hallelujah just means all praise. God, we raise our hallelujah to you. We praise you, O Lord, in the darkness. We praise you, O Lord, in our suffering. God, with everything that is within me, we praise you because there is no one like you, O God. We hold on to you because there's no one else that we can hold on to. God, you are good, you are faithful, and we praise you, O Lord, in the middle of the storm, no matter what comes my way, no matter what wall stands before me, O God, no matter what desert I'm standing in, no matter what darkness I find my mind in, God, I'm choosing to praise you. I'm praising you, I'm praising you, I'm praising you. I'm raising my voice and singing praises and hallelujahs to you. All praise to the God of gods, to the Lord of lords. All praise to you, Jesus, because I want to get close to you, O Lord. I want to raise the hallelujah to you, O God. Nothing, Lord, is greater than you. Nothing, O God, can ever stop you. And nothing, O God, can ever separate us from your love. And so we choose to sing and raise our voice in hallelujah. Because this intimacy that we long for, O God, it strengthens us. It builds our faith. But God, it brings us so close to you. It brings us so close to you. Oh God, I pray for us on this day. For those of us walking, Lord, through the storms of life. For those of us walking through the desert. Lord, we remember your provision. We remember your faithfulness. But God, we remember who you are. You are the God of gods. You are in your holy temple. There is none like you, God. We remember you. 
And God, we draw close to you. Draw close to those who are hurting, who are broken. Draw close to those who desperately need you in their lives. May they take a step of faith and begin to hold on to you. Hold on to something that is real, someone that is full of hope. God, I praise you and I thank you that you are good. We raise our hallelujah to you. In your name I pray, amen.